Cheers. Cheers. All right. Welcome to the, what are we on, episode five? Is this five? I think this is five. Episode five of the Bibles and Beers podcast. My name is Ulrich Schilmer. And I am Devin Arnson. And we are your hosts. Um, yeah, so we've been doing this podcast about five weeks now. It's pretty crazy. Um, yeah. I think our our demographic, what did you say the stats was? We were yeah. looking at the stats. Yeah, so I was looking at the statistics for our site, and I thought it was pretty funny. So it said that like 60% of our listeners are between the ages of 18 to 22, and about... And then it also breaks down by gender. And so two-thirds of our listeners are also male. So I came to the conclusion that it's probably just Ulrich and I listening to our <laughs> podcast over and over um, to get those numbers. But uh, no, we're, we're glad you guys are enjoying this and listening to it. We've yeah. Been getting, really enjoying the feedback that we've been getting. No, for sure. It's been good. Um, and if this is your first time listening, this is a podcast where we drink beer and we talk about all kinds of stuff, um, Christian topics and, I don't know, faith and how it relates to our daily lives, things like that. Um, yeah. So today, what are we drinking today? We are drinking one of my favorites. Um, it is a, it's called a Slugfest Juicy IPA. It's brewed um, by Summit Brewing in St. Paul, Minnesota. We've, we've been drinking a lot of like Minneapolis St. Paul beers, which mm-hmm. I like. No, it's kind local, of, yeah, yeah, local, local, drink local. Um, so it's a juicy IPA. It says with citrus hop punch. I don't know. What do you, what do you think? It's not bad. I think it, yeah, I think it's pretty good. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's easy drinking. It tastes good. Yeah. It's an easy citrusy beer. Um, it's my go-to and I've confessed this before because the packaging is so appealing to me. <laughs> I, I, I first bought it because... I never really know what I'm looking for. So I first bought it because there's sharks on the can. And I was like, I'll drink that beer. It's a good beer. And it's just kind of been my go-to ever since. Yeah, that's pretty, that's good. What are we talking about today, Devin? So today uh, we pulled from the hats mental illness. And so I think this is an important topic that needs to be addressed. Because um, I think in, in history, I would say it hasn't really been properly addressed by the church and so knowing that there is a rise in mental illness with younger generations you know increased rates of depression and anxiety i think it's important for the church to be able to respond to that i think we wouldn't be doing our duty if we were neglecting that part of our lives and saying how god deals with that yeah and i think Mental health is something that many young people have struggled with throughout their day to day in at least some respect, Um, whether that is just a, you know, like a full blown diagnosis of depression, anxiety or schizophrenia or something, or whether it's just, um, you know, having kind of a jittery like anxiousness throughout the day. I think most people can relate to some feeling of some mental illness, I think, um, on any scale. And I think the church hasn't done a necessarily good job of addressing that. And I think that, um, you know, the, it's almost dismissive the way the church has handled it of just saying like, 
um, you know, pour yourself a hot bath with like a glass of wine and just pray and everything's going to get better. And while I think there is value to prayer, uh, there is some practical physical element and there's genetics involved and there's, there's something that, you know, requires like more than just this abstract spiritual, um, you know, ascent to, yeah. Yeah. What do you know? I mean, like, yeah. And so I think what, what I have experienced struggling with mental illness and being very devoted in my faith is that there are still, I don't want to say church bodies, but there's still, I think a good number of Christians that say, if you are truly faithful, God will cure you from this. Right. Or if you are truly faithful and you just pray hard enough, you should be fine. And it's that prosperity gospel that we are seeing now in America more and more. Of, right. Like, if you are faithful, you'll be healthy, wealthy and wise. You know, that's the saying. Um, and that just, A, goes against scripture and just isn't what we're seeing. Um, because I think there's not even, with my case, but there's some examples of other very faithful Christians that do struggle with mental illness. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did a report on this, actually. And so this is one of my final projects last semester, was to create a kind of comprehensive resource of sorts about faith and mental illness. And one of the statistics that I brought up is that last two years ago now, wow, time flies. So in 2019, 23% of pastors in the United States and I think it's across denominations are like currently dealing with some sort of mental illness. Mm. And so that really shocked me, especially because of how little it's talked about in the church. You know, mm-hmm. if this is something that roughly you know 18 to 20% of adults are dealing with and 23% of our pastors right. are dealing with, right. I think it's fair to say that it's a, big enough deal common yeah yeah where we need to address it better yeah and i think a lot of uh mental like we aren't addressing the issues that a lot of mental health issues stem from and i think you know not a lot of people talk about these because i think a lot of it, especially amongst young people like a lot of it directly stems from like social media porn like uh uh just like not having healthy digital habits yeah and i think um well well i think like the church doesn't really like necessarily like deal with technology in that sense um especially because of covid because everybody's using technology now so it's like how do you preach mindful technology habits but also you know like that's a whole nother rabbit hole we could go down but yeah um, I think especially amongst young people, like it is something that like causes more anxiety. I've noticed it in my life of like cutting out Instagram or something like really just makes me less anxious and just objectively. And Absolutely. it's not even like this, like, you know, superiority thing of like, Ooh, like I'm off Instagram. It just like cut and dry. It makes me feel better and just makes me less anxious to not be on Instagram. Yeah, like, absolutely. I mean, like I, I did the same thing a few years ago where for Lent I gave up my phone mm-hmm. and destroyed it <laughs> um, and got a flip phone yeah, and, right. <laughs> and went through that. So I'm not suggesting that you guys go home and 
break your smartphones in half. <laughs> but I, I do think there are real practical ways to deal with and help overcome mental illness. There's definitely a spiritual side of things. But there's also definitely a, a physical side of things as right. well. Um, and that's kind of a little bit of what I dug into in my report. Um, whatever we want to call it. Pamphlet. So, what? <laughs> Pamphlet. Pamphlet, yep. <laughs> uh, it's a little little 50-page um, like article, I guess, that I wrote um, talking about how the gospel responds to mental illness. And so my argument for each mental illness kind of unfolded in the same way, saying that mental illness is still a physical and neurological thing that affects the brain. It's not a mindset. It's not a lack of faith. It's a genuine, there's an imbalance of chemicals. There's some sort of physical abnormality in the brain mm -hmm. that makes this stuff happen. And I think once we take that step and say, okay, it is an illness, just like having a physical illness that has real physical, tangible things that can be like measured if we right. want. And I think there is a difference too. I think there are like there, there's like, I don't think necessarily everyone has like, like chemical imbalance. I do think there are like, for some people it right. is a mindset. Right. And I do think if, yeah, if you would pray for 10 minutes or whatever and just like be more mindful and be more grateful and like try journaling and go for a jog maybe, you know, like, yeah, like there are like definitely like things you can do, but I like, I do recognize there is like two camps almost. There's like yeah. this, like, and so that was real mental illness. And right. then there's just like people being whiny millennials or whatever, you know? <laughs> right. like, and so that was, that was kind of the second step of my argument is saying, okay, okay. like there are, there is like a physical thing that's going on, but then there is also the, the mindset and more of the, spirituality right. of it right. um and this is i guess like the the conclusion of you know my whatever paper is that the gospel has responses to all of these mental illnesses so even though things like borderline personality disorder and ocd aren't mentioned in the bible we see a there's people in the bible that experience similar things even though that it's not like a named disease mm -hmm. at the time but then also that the promises in scripture are for everyone even if your ailment isn't mentioned in scripture who would you give as an example for a mental illness in the bible just like off the cuff i like off, off top of your head so i use jeremiah for borderline personality disorder mm. he, uh, that checks out yeah, so from what I know, I don't know much about borderline, but from what I do know, that makes seems to make sense. Yeah, so so Jeremiah was a very emotional prophet. So he he really lamented uh, the fact that he was called to do this very difficult thing and deliver bad news to Israel during their only time of like prosperity, mm -hmm. and he hated his job, and so like he would, we see these long laments of Jeremiah cursing the day he was born and like really hating life. And then he turns around and praises God and says mm. like, if you know, like 
your words are fire. Like, shut up in me. I can't help but to praise you. I can't help but to speak hmm. you. And it goes back and forth between this, um, like, depressive and manic um, spectrum, which we see in borderline personality disorder. So, like, that's just one example. So then the conclusion would be that the promises that God gives to Jeremiah not only extends to him or people with borderline personality disorder, but it actually extends to everyone. Absolutely. And, and we see that with the gospel that, you know, God came down to save all people. And so I think like that, I may be on a soapbox right now, but like that is, I think the, the important yeah. part to know when we talk about faith and mental illness. And that's something that I had to really wrestle with as well is to say, okay, what I'm dealing with isn't named in scripture, but that doesn't mean the solution isn't found in scripture. Mm. Um, mm. And once, yeah. yeah, once I figured that out, it's a good way to put it. I was like really set free and like found so much comfort in, in the words of the Bible to say, okay, God knows obviously what I'm going through, but he's already dealt with it. Yeah. I don't need to, I don't need to try to find words in the Bible, even though that can be comforting. And don't get me wrong. There's plenty in the Bible about anxiety and depression right. and confusion and all this other stuff. But for the things that aren't named and that can extend past mental illness for all the challenges that we go through in this world that aren't named in the Bible, the promises are no less relevant. Like the mm. promises are still relevant to everyone. And so that to guess go full circle, like that was the conclusion of my paper is that like, yeah. regardless of what you are suffering from, Jesus has saved everyone. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's killer. Should we move into the beer break? How are yeah. we feeling? How are we feeling on your beer? Good. Yeah. Um, it's pretty dry. It's kind of, I don't know. I don't know if dry is the right word, but it, it's like, it doesn't sit on your mouth. You know what I mean? Right. It, I think it kind of mellows out after a bit. Yeah. Um, for sure. It's not like, it doesn't leave a, I don't know, well, not like a film, but like a, it doesn't really leave like a, it just, I don't know, dry is just the word that comes to me. <laughs> okay. I don't know yeah. what that, yeah. I don't know if that helps anyone, but. Maybe that's why they put like sharks and scuba divers on the can to like offset the fact that it's kind of dry beer. Maybe, maybe. That's funny. I gotta get one of these glasses though. These are, these are nice. Tulip glass? Yeah. So fun fact about the tulip glass is the way it's shaped like that. Um is because that way when you go to drink it, you put your nose like more in the glass and then you're kind of smelling the beer while you're tasting it. And so you're using both your sense of smell and your sense of taste to kind of get more flavors out of it, which is why like drinking a beer out of a glass, it tastes a little different than drinking it out of a can. Because when you drink it out of a can, you just smell the aluminum, you know, when you go to yeah. drink it. Yeah. So having a whiter mouth like that on the tulip glass helps it to kind of yeah. open up a little more. Yeah. But, yeah, they're fun. I mean, you can get them at like Target or whatever for yeah, I know, 10, I, 15 bucks or something. When I, when I go to the store to find our crazy craft beers, I always look at, because um, they have cool glasses there, I always look to see if there's something cool. Um, I never buy anything. Guinness, so. Guinness like makes, I don't know if Guinness makes them, but like Guinness 
Like yeah. every single beer yep. you get in Ireland, it's all in the tulip glass. Sure. Yeah. Um, and they all have the Guinness stamp on them. So. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, they. I've. I've only seen. I mean, they Guinness has some pretty good ones. Yeah. And they're kind of fun. Yep. But. Yeah. Um. Well, one thing I wanted to kind of revisit was like the. Both the like importance of genuine prayer and also the um you know we, we kind of talked about how like you it's like dismissive to just tell someone to like pray harder and there's kind of that like prosperity gospel of uh, not of prayer but like you know people using prayer to not really deal with mental health um and i think like there's there's multiple kind of facets to that so i'd like to like revisit that yeah. um one i think if you're telling someone to pray harder like it's kind of just a bad thing, you know, that's kind of just right. not, you should like walk with that person and, you know, I would check yourself. Yeah, if you're... it also, it also puts it on them and not the power of God. Yep, yep. So, no, there's lots of things with like telling someone to pray harder, so I wouldn't, um, I would be mindful of that. Um, but also, I think if you're telling, like you can maybe tell yourself that very easily too, of like, oh, I need to pray harder and like everything's going to be fine. Um and while I think, like, prayer is ultimately, like, where we find ourselves in, like, when dealing with issues and, like, mental health and things like that, like, obviously, like, prayer is help, like, prayer is helpful, very, prayer is very important, and that is, like, how we directly communicate to God, and, like, obviously, that's something that, like, is a huge help in yeah. dealing with mental yeah. health um, and a huge comfort. We... It doesn't necessarily, I don't think it necessarily has to be, like, how we regularly think of prayer of, like, we sit and cross our hands and, like, or cross our, close our eyes, fold our hands and bow our heads. I don't know where cross your legs came from, but, um, yeah, (laughs) but, you know, normally we think of prayer as, like, this, like, formal thing that we have to sit down and pray, and I don't necessarily think that that is necessarily helpful to someone who doesn't feel like they have any words to say to God, you know? And when you feel like you're at that bottom, you're at that pit, and you can't pray, like, how are you, like, how do you deal with that, right? Yeah. And so I think one thing that's really interesting is finding, like, alternative, not alternative forms of prayer, but, like, finding ways of, or, like, thinking of prayer as less of this, like, box that we have to fit into and more of just, like, a state of being mindful and connected to God. Yeah. Um, and I think like there's a, you can, well, I'll just read, um, there's a, there's a quote from, um, the Mockingbird Journal, the Faith and Doubt issue. Um, and this was a, Mockingbird is a publication that puts out a, I don't know, a little book with probably 20 different articles in it every yeah, year and they do different issues. It's, I, don't want to say magazine, but it's a combination of all these different articles that usually are focused around the same topic. And so yeah. it's like a fancy magazine. Like there's yeah, like a right, you know, there's yeah. a beefier kind of yeah, cover to it. I would say that. Um, but they put out a faith and doubt issue. I thought it was great. Um, I remember the first time I read it. It was like my sophomore year of college when I was like arguably at like the crux of my <laughs> faith and doubt, you know, yeah. dilemma myself. So it was super helpful then. Um, but there's this one article 
um, particular in particular called Anxiety Lighthouses and Relief by Sarah Gates. You can go look it up online if you'd like to read the whole thing. But it kind of just speaks of this like like dealing with God and like anxiety of God and like the impressions people have of God, I think. Um, and how, you know, day-to-day -day things can kind of like, I guess, wear you down. And like we're talking about, like going to church isn't necessarily doing it for you, I guess is kind of what the premise of this article about. And so like she's writing through, you know, her experience and what you do when you feel that you're in despair, I guess. Yeah. Um, and so at the very end of it, the last sentence um it says i thank god that words have already been formed into a prayer that can be spoken on my behalf when i have no words to pray and i feel at least for a moment that i am free um i found, i remember reading that and i found it really interesting because um i think when i've like gone through things in the past like i get more out of listening to music that like is like whether you know whether it's worship music or not i get more out of like working through things and like you, you kind of pull from other people right and it is helpful to know that one like you're not alone in that but also that you don't necessarily have to have the words to say yeah and i think that's a really cool image of like the holy spirit working through other people to like directly relate to you and then the holy spirit then prompting you to like follow that like in, yeah. like in romans like paul talks about in romans of like the holy spirit giving us this sense of like um, when we have prayer. no words to say. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, and so I think, like, in, 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 like, terms of mental health, I guess, like, um, that, like, being in that pit, there are, like, the Holy Spirit can give us words to say that aren't necessarily, you know, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, and, like, the regular standard church-going yeah. type, type, um, type of thing, you know? Yeah, no, I think one of the the coolest things about coming to Concordia is that it's kind of this toss salad of all of these different toss salad. Good Christian good analogy. Yeah. Of all these different like Christians and all the different ways that they express themselves. Um, so we have student led worship here and you know, there's the musicians that are praying and worshiping through actually like exactly hitting the instrument. And then there's people like, like me that'll stand in the back with their arms folded and like that's good enough for me i like try not to sway um that's a great example though but then there's also people that are like interpretive dancing and like that is how they worship and pray and so right yeah i think there's definitely a lot that can be done yeah yeah exactly that's a great example of just like there's different ways we as individuals connect with god I think, and it, I think this idea that you have to pray and like, it has to be, you know, our general, like our ideal prayer and just show up to church more and just, you know, be a better super Christian is really toxic in just the way we deal with mental health. Right. Yeah. And that's, cause that's all law. If we, if we're discerning this in law and gospel, right. It is. Right. It's the law to tell someone you need to do this in order for you to get better. Right. Whereas the gospel is God saying, look, I know that you're going to have troubles, but take heart. I've overcome the world. Like I know what you're going through. I've 
in some respects, been through that because mm-hmm. Jesus came to earth. He lived the life on earth. He experienced fear and pain and loss and experienced all of this mm-hmm. and is saying, look, I've overcome all of that for you. And so resting in that and like leading someone to those promises, I think it's a lot better way of, of helping someone mm-hmm. um, rather than saying this is what you need to do and going off that too like when you are in that place yourself um being intentional about like getting help i think is really big just because you know like therapy's got a stigma on it and like not even therapy but just like having honest and like tough conversations um i mean it might be therapy or whatever but um, I think like, especially in men, I think of people like see it most in men of just like having this, like, can't talk about can't it. be vulnerable. <laughs> like you can't be vulnerable at any means. And I think that's really like toxic in the way, you know, well, I mean, there's like the coin term, like the toxic masculinity, but, um, you know, like just in terms of mental health, like if you can't get help with it and if you, you are you know, afraid to get help with it, like, that, it isn't a good starting point, you know? Right. Yeah, and so, that's the kind of, I don't want to say two-step, but, like, (laughs) (laughs) the one-two punch. (laughs) That's, like, the kind of, so, like, we are also empowered to go and seek help and to do these practical things, but knowing that that comes after receiving the gospel. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. And like that, yeah. And so like that no. is, yeah. And going back to the Holy Spirit thing, I think the Holy Spirit like prompts you to go seek help. Like, Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I think that. We need to have a sound effect every time we talk about the Holy Spirit. <laughs> the, There's something that goes up. I mean, that's such like a big part of, I think, Lutheran. Absolutely. Doctrine and just theology of just like the Holy yeah. Spirit, like removing yourself from it. Um, yeah, because like. You mentioned, like, the Holy Spirit brings people into our lives and speaks to other people. And the Holy Spirit also, in, like, doctors, like, God is working through the people in our lives oh, absolutely. to help us. Absolutely. And so to, you know, to seek help is is reaching out the hand that's being offered to you mm-hmm. already. All right, how about this? <laughs> I, want, I want your final thoughts, and then I want to read my, like, concluding paragraph of my paper. Because I think, like, that's a good powerful point to leave off on okay uh final final thoughts i think that mental health is changing in the way people view it and that it's becoming a more common thing i think there is definitely like you said like a neuroscience genetical like chemical imbalance mental Mm -hmm. health and then there's also just being anxious and i think there's a difference that people need like we can distinguish yeah um and that people should distinguish because one is easily more cur- it, like it's not fair to be like oh like my anxiety about my schoolwork is you know like i think that's kind of sure rude to someone who has like <laughs> schizophrenia yeah. you know or yeah. like like they're on like different right like i don't know i think that's pretty entitled but whatever um <laughs> Yeah, no, it's a it's a thing that we're I think learning more about, and it's tricky because 
um, you know, how do we deal with this thing that isn't directly related to scripture? And also, like, how do you distinguish between those two camps of, like, a yeah. chemical imbalance and you need to take a breath and get out of your own head a little bit, right? Like, sure, yeah. Um, and so I think, like, distinguishing between those two things is tricky. Uh, and I think, like, the church is kind of moving more towards having a better response to it than just throwing prayer and like like the book of prayer or whatever to yeah. those people, you know, like, um, and, um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's something that most people are pretty exposed to it now. It, it seems like, it seems like most people kind of either know someone or like have experienced something themselves. Like most people are pretty familiar with some level of mental health. Right. And so I think like, because of that, we can move out of the, I don't want to say dark ages, but we can move <laughs> out of this um, stigmatism that it's something that like can't be talked about. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to bring it up as a topic for the podcast is like, I think it's worth talking about. I think, because um, if we're not helping our neighbors, we're not loving them. And so yeah. if, if we are, you know, refusing to talk about this thing that we know is hurting our people, mm-hmm. we're not doing our jobs and loving our neighbor. And so I think it is a responsibility of the church, um, I mean, with any trial, with anything that we go through, to say, okay, this is how we best love our neighbor. Definitely. Um, yeah. yeah. And so I, I wanted to end off with, again, the concluding paragraph of my paper and then i can pray us out and okay. we'll draw from the hat okay <laughs> so this is just my montage of scripture is basically what happens here so we'll i'll just go into <laughs> love it um therefore if anyone is in christ he is a new creation the old has passed away behold the new has come Jesus delivers us from this broken world by his sacrifice. What comfort that brings, knowing that God not only chose to make us, but to save us when we were at our worst. God chose to make us, not so we would have to endure evil or endure hardship in the world, but that we could contribute in the good. He made us out of his love, and from that love, chose to send himself into the world to win us back when we fell astray. The gospel promises are for everyone, no matter the sin or the brokenness. Because in this broken world, we will have trouble. We will have trials and failures. But take heart. Have hope. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. Take heart, for by grace you have been saved through faith. Take heart, for he has overcome the world. All right, uh, if you would join me in prayer. Uh, dear God, thank you for the the opportunity uh, to discuss your word today and discuss these hard topics. Uh, we pray for everyone listening today, and we just pray that you be with them through this very difficult and anxious time uh, in our lives and in history. Um, God, yeah, we, we pray for your healing on this country and on this world as we continue with the pandemic. 
and be with us this day and through the rest of our lives. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Awesome. So, what are we talking about next week? I just swore fate to decide. Oh, oh, porn purity. Okay. Big episode. Big episode. All right. Porn slash purity next week on the Bibles and Beers podcast. Thank you, everybody. Fun stuff. Thanks for listening. All right. We will see you next week.